Welcome everyone to today's Motzei Shabbat edition of the Daf Yomi Shi'ur. Today's Shi'ur is Daf Kuf Yud Gimel, which will begin on Kuf Yud Bet Amubet. At the words Ki Ata Rabin, it's about 15 lines down from the top of Kuf Yud Bet Amubet. So this is the Gemara. Ki Ata Rabin, when Rabin came, whenever you see the words Ki Ata Rabin, referring to when Rabin came from Israel to Babylonia, to Babel. Amar of Hanan Baraba Amarav, Halacha Kirbiuda. Halacha follows Rabiuda, like we said beforehand, that even though you could switch a shoe to from right to left, it's still if it ripped, it's still not considered a shoe. We don't say that since it could be used on the other foot, it's still a keli and it's tahor. He says the opposite. Who say that it's already considered, uh, still considered tameh, even though, because it could be switched to the other foot. Ask the Gemara, Mi'amar Rabbi Haki, could Rabbi Possibly have said that the halacha is like tachamim that is tameh. Vaha mitametaretz and biyochanan leave the biyuda. If Rabbi Yochanan is coming to answer uh, a question that was asked on the biyuda, mechlal shmaminek kibiyuda sevilne. We see that he must have hold like kibiyuda. You don't answer for a rabbi that you don't agree with, right? Which we said last time. It was a machloket of Amoraim, what Rabbi Yochanan holds. So one holds that he holds like Rabbi Yehuda, and other holds like, not like Rabbi Yehuda. Tanad Hatam. We learned in the Mishnah and Kilim. When you have a keli, of course, it can get tamen. Once the keli is broken, it is tahor, it cannot become tameh. What's called broken? So we said any clay of a household, not a commercial one, but a household one, is tameh if it has a hole the size of a pomegranate to leave. Right? Bayi So chiske asked the following question. Let's say you made a hole in the Utensil. A guy has, let's say, a pot, or he has a clay roaster, and it make it gets a hole the size of an olive. Now that's not enough to make it the hole. It's still tummy. Okay. Ustamo. Now he fixes it. He puts clay in there to fix it up. Ustamo. He gets another hole the size of his eye and it goes it again. Now you get get it to the size where altogether, if you add all the zayit holes that were in it, it would be the size of Imon. Do we say that it's now tahor because it had a hole the size of Imon, and now yes, it's fixed. But if you count all the fixed holes, it's the size of Imon. Or do we say no? It has to be all at one time. You taught us the following case. Sandal If you have a sandal that one of the ears fell off, one of the handles fell off, and you repaired it. 
Tamim Midras, Tamim Midras. And if the cash you have, the second one falls off. Now the two or two of them are gone. So now it should be Tahar. But you fixed that one. So now you never had both off at the same time. It's a very similar case. And we said, Tahor Mina Midras, about Tamim Midras. Right? Why, when the first one broke, is it still Tamir? Because the second one's still around. When the second one goes, the other one's still around, the first one's repaired. You told us about this. No. This is like a new face who came to here. Since you, the first one is a new one, and you have two new ears on this Kelly, you told us Tahor. Hachanami, so too in the case of the keli with the break that ends up equal to size anymore, and it's still panim chadashot. You have a new face coming here, and therefore the new utensil is not tameh and will not it will become tahor. Kari ale, so Chizkiya told about Rabbi Yochanan, let den bar inash. This this guy is not a human; he's like a malach. Ikidamik go den bar inash. Others say, wow, this is a real man. But definitely he was very impressed with the comparison of Rabbi Yochanan. Amar Zerah, Amar Rabbi Barzimur. Im Yishurim Remelachim. If the old rabbis were like angels, sons of angels, we are like sons of men. Im Yishurim Remelachim, if the Yishurim were men, and Anu Kehamonim were like donkeys. Not like the donkeys of Hanim and Dosa, but You know the famous story about those two rabbis that one wouldn't eat ma'asid, uh, food, the other one uh, didn't want to work for, on Shabbat. Okay, didn't want to eat. All these stories are telling us that, you, that there's no comparison between our generations and the early Amoraim. You can imagine the difference if they're saying that between Rebzeira and Rebyochanan. You can't even imagine the difference between uh, somebody over here and one of these rabbis. Okay. Says the Gemara. We said in the Mishnah that if a person has a water jug, made out of, they used to take the stomachs of animals and use them as uh, water flasks because they were waterproof. And they used to wrap something on the top that, as, a, as a knot that was, you're allowed to tie it on your back. Eskrub sheet, of course, you can untie it. This is talking about, it has two places that you could tie it. Mount them, I'm going to thunk. Since this stomach has two openings, so you might have thought one opening he opens and closes, and the other one he keeps tied. And if you keep it tied for more than 24 hours, so that's a permanent knot. Kamashwala, no, you're allowed to do it. Then the Gemara says, if you have, we send the Mishnah, if you have a Kedera, if you have a Part of meat with something to uh, uh, a handkerchief tied on top, you're allowed to untie. Chita, of course. We're talking about one that has a spout. Since there's a spout on the pot, like a tea kettle, 
So you might not open the cover with the with that's tied up because you can pour it out of the spout. You might have thought that you that you it and you're going to leave it there permanently. that you won't. We said the Mishnah. Koshin, you're allowed to tie in front of an animal so it doesn't go out. Shita, of course you can. Talking about these two ropes. You might have thought. One of them you leave there always, and the other one you just lower to get to let, let the animal out. No, you, you could untie either rope. You're allowed to tie in front of an animal. I'm there. Bye, bye. Yes, halacha. Because you mean someone argues on him. Whenever you say halacha is like him, that means someone argues. The Mishnah we didn't mention anyone who argues on him. Why shouldn't it be allowed? I'm there. My nafkale mean What do you care? Still, it's mutar. I'm there. Gemara, Gemara is mutar. Is the Torah like a song? This is the second time we saw this statement that Rabbi, that the rabbi is picking on the fact that he made a duke that was not necessary. And he's asking him, why did you make it like, when you say the halakha is like him, what do you tell me halakha? Of course the halakha is like him, no one argues on him. Says the Mishnah, new Mishnah. Koshlin deli mepsika. You're allowed to tie a pail with a girdle, which means if you have a girdle, which is like a long um, belt that someone wraps around him, like let's say a gartel, you're allowed to use the gartel to um, tie a pail to the side of a well, I can't use a rope. Rabbi allows even a rope. Well, I want to be as a rule. Any knot that is not permanent, you're not if you tie it. Says the Gemara. When we said there's a machloket about tying a pail to a, to a, the well, you used to want to tie a pail to the well because when you drop it in, you want to be able to pull it back up. And if you tie it on, in case you by mistake let, drop the pail, drop the rope, you could always pull it off because it's tied to the well. So when there's a machloket, whether you could tie it, with a chevel, what are we talking about? What kind of rope are we talking about? There's different types of ropes. If you're talking about a regular rope, you'll be A regular rope is always left. Every, they always, at every, every well, you always have a pail tied with a regular rope. So if you tie a, 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 if you tie a pail with a regular rope, it's going to be there forever. Of course it's asur. How could it be that ever allowed? Ela chevel gardi. We're talking about weavers' ropes. Now, weaver, weavers use ropes while they're weaving. Maybe to throw back the shuttle, I'm not sure. But this weaver's rope, if you tie your pail with it, we know it's not going to stay there too long because the weaver is going to come back with my rope. And therefore, that's what's allowed. Okay? It sounds like if you're telling me they're arguing about this weaver's rope, that's what Rida is allowing. That means the Hamim are disallowing weaver's rope. Now, why would they disallow weaver's rope? Must be because they're worried that if we let you, if we let a guy come and use a weaver's rope, he'll say, "What's the difference between a weaver's rope and a regular rope?" And tie it with a regular rope, and then he'll be over the issue. 
the member this Rabbanan Sabri, Kazin and Hevel the Gardi, Atu Hevel the Alma. That's you think you always make that type of connection. Udas the Vanogas, you know, we didn't mean to ask a contradiction. It says Hevel deletion of Sak. If you have the rope of a pail and it snaps, don't tie the two ends with a knot, because it's going to stay there forever. Rather, you make a bow. You could wind a belt around it. But don't make a bow. So it sounds like he doesn't like, let you, Huda does not let you make a bow. Because if we let you make a bow, you might make a real knot. So you see, Rubida is the strict one here, and he's making Gizira one or the other, which we said before, Rubida doesn't do that. So we have a Kashi Rubida, contradiction of Rubida, where by the case of the snapped, snapped rope, he is strict and makes a Gizira. And by the case of the guard, he, he's lenient. And the other way around also, Kashi Rabbanan, the Rabbanan are lenient by the Gardi, and they're being strict over here. Sorry, the rabbis are lenient by the Gardi, and over here, he's not, they're letting you make a bow. No, the Rabbanan, Abraham, no Kashi. Don't ask the question, Abraham, Abraham. Why? Chevel, Chaluf, Bechevel, Machlif, Aniva, Bechshel, Machlif. People don't tell the difference what kind of rope it is, weaver's rope or not weaver's rope. So we have to make a gizina in that case. And that's why they don't let you use uh, a guardian. But everyone can tell the difference what kind of bow you made. And therefore, they're not, we're not going to make a gizina of a, of a bow for a double knot. Did we die with that? There's no question about Why? The reason why the rabbis say it's asur is not because people are going to think, oh, what's the difference between a bow and a double knot? Because the anava also is going to be there forever. And we're telling you here that anava is also considered tying into problem. Amar. Amar Biyaba. You let to bring a rope from your house and tie one end of it to the cow and the other end of it to the trow, which is what he eats out of. They asked the question, one rabbi to the next. We had just allowed tying both ends. One, take it, taking a rope from your house, tying one end to the cow's neck, and the other end to the trow, so he stays on the trow. But this writer seems to say that if you have a rope already on the cow's neck, you could tie it to the trap. And if you have a rope tied to the trap, you could tie it to the cow. But you can't tie both sides. From your, bring one from your house, it's not tied to anything. Tie both sides, which is the opposite of what we just said. When did we say it's a sewer to do it on both sides? That's if it's a regular rope, because it'll stay there forever. But here, where it's allowed to do both sides, it's called Kevel the Gardi, Weaver's rope. 
Because the weaver's rope is not going to stay too long. The weaver's going to need it. He's not going to leave it on either side. And you make sure to take it off. Amar Bihuda Amar Shmuel. Kle kivai mutar tatlam b'shabbat. You're allowed to move weaver's instrument on Shabbat. Can you do the upper and lower beams? These upper and lower beams we mentioned before are the beams that you roll the cloth on on one side, and the other side you roll the sheti on. Okay? Says the Gemara, in Sometimes yes, sometimes no. He would never say a straight answer on it. Itma, we learned. Amar Menachem Shmuel called Kekivai Mutal Tatalam B'Shabbat. Oh, hold on, I skipped. No, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Itma, Amar Menachem Shmuel, Kekivai Mutal Tatalam B'Shabbat. You let them move on Shabbat. The weavers, a few covered them closely. Even the upper and lower beams, Amar Lo Hamudim, but not the posts. Amar Le Rav Menachem 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 if you want to say you can't use the posts because why can't you move the posts such a bat? If it's because you're making holes in the ground, it happened on itself. It's given. If you bury a turnip under or a radish under a grapevine, if some of the leaves are outside, it's not a problem. It's not a climbing problem because you're not mixing things. It's not a shvi'i problem because it's not really planted. Issue either in any of these cases. The Dimashiran, you can pull it out on Shabbat because it's not really planted. Now, if it says you can take it out on Shabbat, that means even though it makes a hole, it's not a problem. So you see that when you move the post from the earth, even though it makes a hole, it should be not a problem. Now, Reason why we said that it's not a problem is because the reason why we said you have to leave the leaves out of the ground is because on Shabbat you won't be able to pull it out of the ground unless you leave something out that you can pull. But if you pull it a fourth to the side, even though you made a hole, it's not a problem. When you're in the field, we're not worried that you might level out the holes that you made. When you make a hole by moving your weaver's thing in the ground, you might end up smoothing it out, and therefore the rabbi is making a zera not to let you move it, because you're going to cause, if you move the post, you're going to cause a hole in the ground, which you might end up smoothing out, which is the Yisrael of smoothing. The upper and lower beam is can you move because nobody moves them. Since nobody moves them because they're so heavy, therefore they're considered uh and 
and therefore they are sure to move on Shabbat. Um, says the Gemara, "Makpidim etekelim afilo abav bechemushapamim." Talk about folding garments on Shabbat. Now the Mishnah says. So now, once we mentioned before about tying knots on garments, like ladies' garments before, we're telling you about folding garments. So folding garments, you're allowed to fold garments even four or five times, right? You can make the beds for the night time, for the day. So in other words, if you're going to sleep in the, Shabbat, in the bed again that day on Shabbat, you're allowed to do it. But not from Shabbat to Motzei Shabbat. Meaning, if you're not going to get in the bed till that night, you can't do it. Why? Because you're preparing for after Shabbat. You could fold garments if you have Yom Kippur before Shabbat on a Friday, Yom Kippur on a Friday, and Shabbat right afterwards, you're allowed to fold garments or make beds for Shabbat because since it's equal Kedushah or even better Kedushah on Shabbat, so since you're bearing with equal Shabbat, he's Rishmael will let you do it. The fat of Shabbat you can offer the next day on Kippur. But you can't do the Yom Kippur fats on Shabbat. According to Mikvah, you can't do either one. Can't connect the fats of either one. Offer the next day. Usually, fats can be offered the next day. But here we're telling you, according to Kama, Yom Kippur can't be for Shabbat, but Shabbat can be for Yom Kippur. Okay. Says the Gemara, "Amri de Be'Rabiyana." They said by Rabiyana, "Loshen elabadam echad." We only said if using one person to fold the clothes. Aloshnei be'adam lo. Two people do it. No, it's asur because two people do it in an exact way, and that would be a problem. Because they're smoothing out the wrinkles because it looks like they're getting ready. They're fixing it. Okay. Even if you're doing one person, it's still not allowed. That's only. Regarding new ones, but you can never use, you can never do old clothes. Okay, nami, even the, the new clothes, that's only white clothes, but colored clothes are not so important, and therefore it's always asur in the, in the other clothes. If it's colored clothes, it's always a suit. Because it makes a big, big difference when you do colored clothes. We only said you're allowed to do it if you have no other clothes to wear. If you have other clothes to wear, then don't fold them. No, it's a suit to fold. So it's very, very rare that you can actually fold clothes. Only if you have no other clothes to wear, they're white and they're new. And it's done by one person. Says the Gemara, 
what should you do about wearing Shabbat clothes? So a person who has two sets of clothes, you should always switch your clothes for Shabbat. If you have only one set of clothes, then you should wear them long. It seems like there was two ways to wear clothes. If you wore them folded up, I guess pants are, could be worn folded up or rolled down to the full length. The Gemara says, Matthew of Zafra. So we said, if you only have one set of clothes, roll them down to the full length of Shabbat so you look like a Hashubi guy, at least for Shabbat. Here's the Gemara. If a guy wears his clothes all the way down to the ground, he looks like he's a, he's a show-off. How can we be telling you to wear your clothes all the way to the ground if you look like a show-off? Says People notice that you never walk around like that. Since you walk around only on Shabbat, it's not called a show-off to wear clothes like that on Shabbat, even though they're all the way to the ground. It says in Yeshayah, You have to respect Shabbat by not doing your ways. You respect it. You shouldn't wear the same clothes on Shabbat and during the week. You see that Rabbi Yochanan calls his clothes the things that honor me. And therefore, the connection that we learn from the Maksud, and we said that means wear different clothes. We see that wearing clothes could be called mechabdani. That's that has to do with kavod, and that's what therefore that's what the president was referring to. What does it mean me'asot from doing your ways? You're not allowed to make your walking on Shabbat like the walking on the weekdays. You're not allowed to walk the same way, which we'll see what that means. We said you're not supposed to look for what you want. What you want to do is asur. But you're allowed to do what Shemayim wants. And therefore, you're allowed to talk about collecting tzedakah on Shabbat. Because it's chavzeh Shemayim. Even though it involves money, which you shouldn't talk about, you're not allowed to touch on Shabbat. But if you're doing a mitzvah, then you're allowed to talk about that on Shabbat. So you're allowed to speak words. What do we learn from that? You can't. Speak on Shabbat like you talk about, about the weekdays. Can't talk about making calculations, how much money you're going to make or not, what not. Right? That's only about talking. But if you're listening, thinking about it, it is mutad. It says, I understand when it comes to all of them, fine. What does it mean don't walk on Shabbat like you walk on the weekday? How can you walk differently on Shabbat than you walk on the weekday? If you walk on Shabbat, you meet a stream of water. If you're able to walk over in a single stride without jumping, you have to jump, it's a sur. What should I do if I have to get off the stream? to go around it, make me walk so much much further sometimes to go around the stream. You want me to walk through it? Maybe you get your clothes soaked, but you'll end up bringing it out. That's a problem. But if there's no other way to get around, then you can jump over it. But in general, you should try to avoid jumping over things. Really, when we say don't walk, the walk, the weekday walk means like this. Can you take a long stride? You're not even take a long stride during the week. 
שני אומר פסיעה גזען יותר אחד מחמש מאות ממעון של עניין של אדם. If any time you take a long stride, it takes one five hundredth of your vision away. And you get back that amount when you make a deuce on Friday night. So you see it's a sort of walker at any time you take a long stride, even during the week. Can a person eat dirt on Shabbat? It seems like dirt was considered a, um, it was considered a medicine. Are you allowed to even do it during the week? It's a sore during the week because it's very bad for your health, even though it helps some things and it hurts other things. It's like eating your father's flesh because there's a lot of dead Jews dying there during the, during the, during the second, the first, second, 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 Some say it's like you're eating bugs because during the Mabul, Mabul, it says that all the people, all the animals died, and they all rolled rolled up in Babel, which is the lowest point. Why is, why is Babel called Shin'ad? All the dead people in Mabul rolled there. So if you take, uh, if you eat the dirt of Babel, for a remedy, you'll end up be eating um, dead bugs, dead people. Why is Babylon called deep? All the dead people of the flood end up sinking over there during the time of Noah. Some say it's like you ate bugs. What do you mean? What's the difference if you ate bugs? How can a bug last from the Mabul till now? It's going to be gone. Now the rabbi is making Gezera that you know how to eat it because it's bad for your health. The whole guy, there was a guy, the Garshishta, the guy who ate clay, and then he ate cress, which type of vegetable. And in the end, he had a, 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 a cress plant growing in his stomach, which entered his heart, and he died. Now, once we're talking about clothes on Shabbat. We're going to talk about the clothes of root on Shabbat, and we'll then we'll talk about the subject of root for a while. Um, root wore special clothes because when root was going to see Boaz in the middle of the night to get him to do yibum on her, she, Naomi told root, wash yourself, anoint yourself, and put on your clothes. When she says put on your clothes, she means put on your Shabbat clothes. And therefore you see, first of all, have Shabbat clothes. It says, if you give advice to a wise man, he gets even smarter. Who are these people? Ruth and Shemuel. Naomi told her to go in the bath, put on oil, and get, get dressed, and then go to Boaz in his, in his silo to catch him. What did she really do? It says, first she went to the garden, then she got dressed over there. 
Why'd she get dressed over there? She didn't want anyone to see her in the street walking around all dressed up for Boaz, and she think that maybe she's doing bad things. And therefore, she was even smarter than her mother-in-law's advice. Her mother-in-law's advice was good, but it could have gotten her in trouble. So she was smarter than the mother-in-law. Also, Shmuel was also smarter than Elia Kohen. Because Eli told him when he had woken up many times in the middle of the night before his first prophecy, he said, I don't know who's talking to me. Someone's talking to me. He thought it was Eli. Eli told him, go to sleep. And if he calls you again, say the following words. Speak Hashem, your servant is listening. So the words that Eli told him to say was, speak Hashem. But what did Shmuel actually say? Talk. Because your servant doesn't say, didn't say, speak Hashem. Now, why do you avoid saying, speak Hashem? He left out Hashem's name in case it's not Hashem. So that was even smarter than what Eli told him. Now, once we're on the subject of Ruth, we're going to mention a bunch of other things that Ruth did. She went and she... She took leket from the field. She went back and came back, went back and back. She would not go back and forth until she saw people who were fit to stay with, which means sometimes the harvesters would be low people. She would wait until she found people that she could stick around and it wouldn't be idle. Pasuk says that when Boaz saw Ruth, he asked the, the harvesters, who is this girl? You think it was normal for Boaz to ask, who's this girl, who's that girl? Talking about a big, big siddiq here. Is he asking who the girls are? The reason why he asked is because he saw her doing something very smart. If she saw two pieces fall down, she would take it. So if she saw three, she would not take it. Because three is too many and you're not allowed to take it. Most people don't know this halakha, but she knew the halakha and therefore he saw that when she didn't take three, he saw that she was careful with gazelle and he wanted to ask who she was. Okay? But this is the brightest says, Another thing we saw, according to the Brita, was that she always picked up the extra grains of barley, bisiniut, because for a woman to take a standing one, she's able to take it. But, it, but when things, when grains fall on the floor, a woman would have to bend down to pick it up. Most women just bend down, and it's not as sinute as sitting on the floor to pick it up and standing up. Of course, it's much more effort to sit down. But she did all that effort, and that's what he saw, and that's why he asked about her. He's wondering, Who's this girl with this special modesty? Now, he told, Boaz told her, stay here with the girls who work for me. Why is he talking to stay here with my girls? What girls does he have? And the word tidbak means you're getting married. Why would he get, why was she getting married to these girls? Says the Gemara. Boaz was actually unsure if Ruth was allowed to get married 
But when he saw that she stuck to her mother-in-law, and I guess that means that she was doing it for a good reason. Sometimes people convert in order to get married. Here she stayed with her mother-in-law, even though she didn't think she could get married. Therefore, we saw that it was a good, it was a good conversion, and she and he can marry her as well. He was told that the mutam come close. Amar Azar, When he said come close, he's telling you come close because David is going to come at you. Because says the word halom by David also. Who am I that you brought me ad halom? The word halom is used by David, also by Ruth, to show you that he knew that David was going to come out of Ruth. He told her, what did he tell her during the meal? Boaz told Ruth during the meal, Come, I'll allow you to dip your bread in the vinegar that we have here. I'm going to be Azad. Why, why we mention vinegar? We see that when it's hot weather, it's good to have vinegar. It cools you off. That's why he told her to dip in vinegar. That's according to be Azad. He's hinting there. You're going to have a kid come out of you besides David, a different kid, who's going to be hard and bad for your teeth as vinegar. Umanu, who's that? Menasheh Harasha also came from David Amelech. It says, She sat on the side of the harvesters. She said next to the Kotim, not with the Kotim, because it's not Sinut. When he said on the side, that's hinting that one day David's kingdom will be split in the time of Rechobam. When Boaz gave her this roasted wheat and she ate the Buddha and she ate, what she eat, and we're talking about David and she was full, but to touch, she had extra mechaskia. These are the three kings who are mixed in the king. The other same, the David Shlomo. The Tochal itself is both David and Shlomo. Tisba, when she was full, that's chaskia. But Tochal is Rebbe. We don't see much, much later, time of the Talaim, who's also in David Amelach. Now, Amokad Mor said, Ayuda, the Rebbe Hava, Atir Mishur Malka. The stable of Rebbe which means the guy who works on Rebbe's horses was richer than Shapur, the king of Persia. That's how wealthy he was. When he told her, you're going to be good, it means you're going to eat in this world, you'll be full in the next world, and the Mashiach comes, and even in the future generation, now Ruth is going to be okay. Okay, we're going to stop right here at the two dots, five lines before the bottom. Shavua Tov to everyone out there on the podcast world. Shavua Tov.